It's good to see you guys. Hope everybody's doing well. Let me just say, if this is your first time with us at Fathom, we hope it's uh, an amazing time for you. I, I pray that God does something in your life. He, maybe he starts something. Maybe he continues something. Um, but I know one thing that he's not finished. Um, he's not finished. He's just, he's just starting, I think, in, in most of us. And so I'm just excited about what God's doing here. And here's, here's a crazy thought for you. Like, we're right in the middle of the year. Like, we, I think we just crossed over through halfway of the year. Am I right? Am I dating? So the ha- half of the year is over. So I, I think a lot of times we make like New Year's resolutions and we kind of set some things at the beginning of the year. This is that halfway mark, I think during the month of July, uh, is going to be about Sabbath. And I think that that's going to kind of fashion us kind of looking at the second year and pattern, having some new patterns as we go forward. So I'm excited about that. I love the month of July for a lot of reasons. Um, one of them is that it's my anniversary in the month of July. And t- tomorrow my wife and I will um, celebrate our anniversary and we're really excited um, but I, I just wanted to stop and, and take just a, a moment, and she's not even in here, but I'm going to make sure she listens so I can get some brownie points. Um, <laughs> she's, a, work, she's working, helping out on kids uh, through the summer, just when, when things are a little bit tighter and people, sk- schedules are kind of crazy. But I just want to take a second just to brag on my wife and, and just thank God for her uh, as we kind of celebrate our anniversary. I couldn't do what uh, God's called me to do without her, and, and I'm just thankful. I mean, the proverb says that it, it's tough to find a virtuous woman. It's hard to find a good woman, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful to God that he's given me one and my wife, and uh, just so grateful. She's a great example for, for my children and, and for our church and women in our church, and I'm just so grateful for her, and I just want to start by saying I love July and just celebrating my wife, if that's okay with you, and, um, but I love it because in our church that we celebrate Sabbath. And some of you are like, you celebrate Sabbath. Like, what do you mean? Well, we take an entire month and we teach on Sabbath because we believe that there's some really deep principles that, um, that are underlined in this that, that lean into every single and bleed into every single area of our life. And I think it's hugely um, just kind of breathtaking and transformational. If we'll just kind of take this month, and that would be my challenge to you. It's just, just if you have to catch up on podcasts because you're doing vacation or whatever, do that. But just connect every week, listening to it, and, and, and being here, and, and just allowing God to transform, because I believe there are principles that are for everybody at every stage of life that are going to be really powerful, and so we're starting this series called Breathing Room, and last Sunday, uh, we had some, some friends from the church, they were over, and they showed us this video that blew my mind, and it's of these babies swimming underwater, have you guys seen this? Have you seen this? Okay, they're going to show a video, and it's kind of insane. I I can't, my brain can't even comprehend it and fathom it, but it's these infants swimming underneath water, and like, I don't know when you learn to to learn to swim, but apparently babies know how to breathe underwater, and they they actually forget, I guess because something of being in the womb, I don't all understand it. It's something called dive reflex. If you were to blow in a baby, I mean, is that not insane? Like, when you look at that, if you blow in a baby's face, and they like hold their breath, and they kind of do this. So they naturally do this, and if you keep them kind of going with it, if not, they'll develop a fear about it. Isn't that just insane? Does that blow your mind like that blows my mind? I'm like, those parents, what are they doing? Like, get your baby out of the water. So it's like, it's, it's totally amazing, and it's totally, like, scary. Like, I don't know that I could do it. Like, I'll just teach him when he's five. Like, we'll figure it out. But it's this amazing thing that they can breathe underwater, and so that's enough of that. But I think it was kind of apropos with just this idea of breathing room, because I think that God has put something in us that desires to rest, 
But I think we live in a world in which we've got to discipline ourselves to have breathing room. You need breathing room. You're better operating it with breathing room in your financial life so, so that you can just stay at rest in peace with God and give out of the abundance. You're, you're better with, with your time when there's breathing room. You're happier when, babe, you just missed it. I just... I was just bragging on you. Should I do it again? No, I won't do it again. You'll have to listen to the podcast. I just bragged on you and said how amazing you were. So does that take, does that take away from it? It might. It might. So I'm sorry. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Um, uh, we, we were talking about breathing room and that we need this breathing room in our relationships, in our work life, um, in, our, in uh, just the home, in everything, parents and everybody. So I think it's just very important, but I think we develop fears over time, fears that if we don't keep working, that uh, God won't provide for us, not to say, like, quit your job and just, like, chill out, but in the, the idea of Sabbath. Um, if, we, if, we don't continue, if we don't kind of um, keep these relationships going, oh, they'll fall apart. And I think we've, we've got to have an understanding of what breathing room is, and I think it's a biblical principle. And it's really going to be about Sabbath and this idea of Sabbath. I believe it all starts at creation. I think we see it at creation in, in Genesis chapter 2. And, and so we'll go there and go ahead and dive into our text today. And see that Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. So our first understanding of where Sabbath comes from is God modeling it to us, becoming our example for rest. Then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. Anybody know like after you've been working really hard and you finally get a day off, laying down, you're like, oh, it is holy. Like there is something holy and blessed about like finally sitting down on the couch after you've been running and working till nine o'clock and then you sit down and you're like, this is a holy moment. As it, more, and, and I had a, a mentor who said, one of the most spiritual things you can do is sleep. Like that's the, some of the times the most spiritual thing you can do is just rest. And, but God patterns it and he sets it up. He's the example. God blessed the seventh day uh, and made it holy because he, on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The word Sabbath is actually in the Hebrew Shabbat and it's the word rest or to cease work. It means to stop what you're doing. So let's just take a deep breath and stop for just a second. Because I think God's going to begin to unfold something for us through the scriptures and, and through just the pattern of not only um, that God set for us, but Jesus would continue and give it just a whole another depth of meaning and understanding. So I believe it starts with Jesus. And it continues there and it goes to um, Exodus chapter 16 that God set aside and made it holy. Holy means to be set apart. It means to be different. Su- Sunday is different, or Saturday, whatever your day off, is different from all the other days. A- a- am I not right? I mean, every day you wake up and do the same thing, but Sunday, Saturday, whatever it is, both maybe for you, is different. It's set apart, and I think you'll find out why it's set apart. Why it's different is actually come from biblical principles. Um, in the life of them. So we see in Exodus chapter 16, some of us look at, at this as a commandment, but before it was ever a commandment, because it is one of the Ten Commandments, as we'll look at in just a second, before it was ever a commandment, God modeled it, and then the people, he encouraged the people of Israel to do it. So you've got to understand, the people of Israel were slaves. 
They were uh, Egyptian slaves. They were working every single day. They did not get a day off. And then God delivers them. You've probably heard of like the ten plagues and the Passover. And and so there's all these crazy things that God allows to happen. And then he he makes a way for them to be free. They cross the Red Sea. It's like, I mean, you've seen like even the old movies or kind of visuals of that. Or Bruce Almighty. Or you've seen something of a picture of uh, the parting of the Red Sea and them walking, crossing over. And that was kind of where they kind of crossed over out of slavery. And right after that, right after that, they're out in the middle of desert. They've lived as slaves, so you eat when I say you eat, you work when I say you work, you work all the time, I'll feed you at whatever schedules they, they fed them. And so they've crossed through the Red Sea, and now they're in the desert, and they're like, so, so how, do, how do we... How do we survive without this? It's like if you've been a slave, maybe you think of your life before Christ, and then it's like, okay, what now? I've crossed out of slavery. Now I'm in freedom, but what now? And so that's where the people of Israel are. And God says, look, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you manna and quail from heaven. He's like, literally, you're going to go out every single day, and you're going to see these little bread kind of morsels outside. Collect as much as you want to eat for that day. And it was just incredible. God did it. And I think a lot of them were super skeptical like some of you are right now. You're like, what? Like, say what? And then what's going to happen? And and then they go out and they see it. And I think every day their faith was built a little bit more. But I think everything got really intense at this verse right here. Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. He's given it to you. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So he says, he's, this is where he's beginning to put it in. It's not on the Ten Commandments. It's not etched in stone. He's like, but I want you to, to learn to really trust me. Now that you've moved out of slavery, it's time to really settle in and know that I'm going to provide for you. And some of you that have moved out of slavery, and now you belong to Christ, and, and, but you don't trust him yet. And this may be where you're in your, in your life. You may feel like you're in a desert, and, and you're just praying for things to kind of work and come together but then we get to the sixth day and we're so used to being a slave, we wake up probably like they did and like, okay, I'm going to go work now. No, we've got to learn to trust. We've got to settle in and understand what it means to trust God. Something with, with these texts that I, I think that we might um, miss, especially in that first Genesis text, is this idea of, of a, a really tough question. Like, why would an all-powerful God, eternal, holy God, why would he need to rest? And I think the New Testament really clears that up for us and that he says that um, uh, Jesus says that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was created for us. So why did, why did God do it? He did it as an example for us. And then we see later in Exodus chapter 31 um, uh, where God says, um, says to his people and, and he says, um, this is going to be a sign of the covenant between you and me. It's going to be a sign to everybody for generations to come that you taking a day off and trusting me to provide after you've come out of slavery, you trust me to provide, taking this day off is going to be a sign for generations to come. And I think even here today, as we don't, mo- all of you here, I'm guessing you're not working right now, <laughs> you're here, um, it's a sign for generations to come. So that, that, that's ring true. And in the last part of that Exodus chapter 31 passage that God speaks to them, it's going to be a sign of our covenant together that you trust me, that you're my people. The last part of it is, and that I am making you a holy people. 
that through our rest, God is making us holy. As we trust him, he is making us holy. There is a process to that. And so in this Exodus 16 passage, I think we see where the rubber hits the road. Okay, I've been in the pattern of all this, and now you're telling me to wait. Now you're telling me to stop and do nothing. Exodus chapter 20 is where it really gets etched in stone, literally. (laughs) It really gets etched in stone. Exodus chapter 20, and it's one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember it by setting it apart. Remember it... Because I made it holy, I blessed it, keep it set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Some of you are like, wait a second, I thought it was five days. Um, But the seventh day is the Sabbath. Again, the pattern is on the seventh day. God got that going. Seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do... not do any work, neither you, nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals. Uh, like, I guess they had oxen. You know, you guys don't put your dogs to work these days, I don't think, except to maybe go get the newspaper. Nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in uh, six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the seas, all that's in them. But he rested, he sabbath on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed it, the Sabbath day and made it holy again. It's, it's on the seventh day, and we're going to see that that changes as we go into uh, the New Testament and the early church. So here, now it's a commandment. Now it's a rule punishable by death because God was like, look, I want you to be so serious about this because if not, you're going to work yourself to death, and you're never going to trust me. It's not going to be a sign of covenant. I won't be able to make you holy if you don't learn to trust me. And that's what ultimately I think this whole principle is about. It's about trusting him in our work. It's about trusting him in our relationships, in our finances, in every area of our life. And I think this is where we have to begin to ask some questions. Okay, so um, how how come Jews take this so much more seriously than we do? Because Orthodox Jews take this like really seriously, like no driving in the car. So like you would have to walk here. Um, No turning on the TV, so you'd have to figure out something to do with your Sunday afternoon. Um, No preparing food, no pushing buttons, I mean, nothing. Like, Orthodox Jews take this very seriously, way more than any of us in this room do, because A, God kind of put it out there, he's like, hey, punishable by death. They take this very seriously and do not want to offend God by working on this day. So their food, they prepare before um, the, the day. And so uh, Sabbath for, for Orthodox Jews is Friday at sunset, and in, in, in the scripture here, from Friday at sunset to Saturday at sunset. That's, that's their Sabbath. And they don't do any of those things. So everything gets prepared beforehand, and they can't touch anything until that night. It's a full 24 hours of, of Sabbath. I mean, can you imagine doing that? Like, how long would you last doing that? Probably not very long. Most of us are like, I don't know. I may try it. Some of you guys willing to try that intense? Okay. Well, here's, here's the good news. So the question is, is why, why don't we practice it in the ways that, that, that the Jews do if that was what we see them doing here? Well, <clears throat> we believe that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary and was the Messiah and that he, his life, death, and crucifixion and resurrection changed everything. That's why we don't celebrate in the same way. That's why we don't observe and even see it uh, as much a, as a commandment, as a principle and a lifestyle uh, of trusting God. And so I think we, we begin to look into the New Testament and see the life of Jesus. Jesus says that I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He's saying all these, these laws, the first five books of the Bible, these 613 or 513, whatever it is, laws in the first five books, some that I gave you and a lot of other ones that you made up, 
<clears throat> I, I'm not here to abolish, I'm here to fulfill them. He's like, I'm going to show you that what all this was about and that the law was there to lead us to Christ and show us um, what sin is. And, and so Jesus changes all of that. He, he changes that where Jesus would say, uh, again, like, like I said a, a minute ago, that the Sabbath was made for man, um, not man for the Sabbath. Uh, Jesus, you know, also, he, that he was healing people on the Sabbath, and people were criticizing him for this. Jesus is a Jewish rabbi, and he's, like, breaking all the, the laws, and that's where he's like, hey, I've got to break this down for you. I didn't come to abolish them. I came to fulfill them. And he says it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And so where does all this leave us with celebrating Sabbath, with observing Sabbath? Why don't we take it as seriously? Why don't we go to that nth degree that they do? Well, you're, you're welcome to, um, first of all. You're welcome to. But I think Jesus changes all that, and he, and he puts us under the covering of his grace and mercy because all those laws, you and I on our very best day can't keep up. We cannot obtain to the perfection of the law. It was to show us our sin that we cannot live under this and point us to Christ and the need for a Savior as a redemption for our sins. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He became our, our sacrifice. He became the fulfillment, the perfection of that which we could not attain. He did for us. That's what we understand is grace. That's the gospel in and of itself. And so again, why don't we not do it? Because Jesus changed everything. He fulfilled the law, and that he is our standard. And I think in another place, um, Paul talks about this. I believe it's in the uh, Romans, where um, he says it doesn't really matter what day. Each uh, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. So, and, and that brings up our next question. Like, so he's saying that the day doesn't matter, but for Jews it was Saturday, and, and for Christians it seems like we observe it on Sunday. We always think of Sunday as the holy day. So like, where does all this come from? Well, let's follow, follow the pattern of how things have changed with that. First of all, um, it, it started with, with God resting on the seventh day, and then Israel, him encouraging Israel, rest on the seventh day, which was Saturday for Jews. Uh, and then the first day being Sunday. Again, you look on your calendar now. What's the first day on the calendar? It's Sunday, and it goes forward. Sunday's the first day of the week, still in here, even though our work week starts on Monday. And so, again, um, it's, so that's the first day of the week. Saturday is the seventh day of the week. So they rest on, on the, the seventh. Then we get to Jesus, and we look at the New Testament, and Paul's saying this, whatever day, don't, don't look at it any differently. But we see a pattern within the early church that they met together and broke bread on the first day of the week. If you look in the text, the first day of the week. And then they made offering collections on the first day of the week. There, and I want you to think about this for a second. They weren't taking Sunday off. Um, not everybody had Sunday off. Like we have most people, like a normal work week is Monday through Friday, take Saturday and Sunday off. Well, that came really from here in America where factory workers would be like, okay, there's um, my Jewish people need, you know, that day off and uh, my Christian people need uh, this day off. He's like, well, what if we just give them both days off? We're like, okay, we'll do everything. We'll work longer hours and we'll work, you know, flip shifts throughout the week. So all this kind of evolved from there of getting both days off and not having to kind of appease everyone um, when kind of the whole factory revolution, industrial revolution was kind of coming to be. So 
way too much history there. Um, but certainly, you can see how it patterns. It started with the early church, and here's the amazing thing. As Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Even in his death, he observed the Sabbath. It's so powerful. Even in his death, he observed the Sabbath. By Friday night, um, at, at dusk, he was in the tomb and dead by that time. And he stayed in the tomb and didn't do anything but he was resurrected on Sunday, so that's why the ob- observation of Saturday and change to Christians, why to Sunday? Because it's the day of Christ. It's the day that Christ rose from the dead, and so we see the symbolic representation of, of just the new life. And now it's on the beginning of the week that there is a new day, a new covenant, a new dawn that has come upon us as believers. And so it's just such an incredible thing as you look to the depth of it, of what it means to now celebrate. But think about how much faith it took them because at that time, the normal work week in the kind of Jewish culture, the uh, n- normal work week or the Greek culture was Sunday you know, through Friday, and then they take Saturday off. So they were actually, they'd have to actually take that day off. Everybody else was still going to be working. Like how, if, if we just changed and said, okay, tomorrow we're going to start meeting on, or next week we're going to start meeting on Mondays, so uh, just, you know, we're going we're gonna to start meeting then, so everybody just take off work. Like how many of you would be like, yeah, but, like, yeah, but, like, my boss is going to expect me to be there, like, so now you get yourself into their culture, what kind of decision this was to, to celebrate on a Sunday and really trust God in their own right, uh, and, and so it's an incredible thing, and so that's kind of the pattern of, of how it's evolved from, again, from an everyday slavery where I have to be there every day to take, take one day off and and now uh, as Christians celebrating on, on Sunday. So what day are we to observe? I think the scriptures right there from Paul are pretty clear that whatever day you have off, take it. And if you're holy to the Lord. And then another Colossians, if you consider it holy to the Lord and give thanks. And really that's what it's all about. And, and, and honoring him and being convinced in your own mind that fits within your schedule. You're honoring it. And, and so there is, I believe there's freedom in that. I believe that's what Christ brings us is freedom uh, to observe the, the principle and live the principle, and most importantly, trust in him. And so let's, let's dig into this a little bit, and I, and I just want to share with you four real sh- straightforward, simple points of what I, I really mean, um, really think it means to, to live a Sabbath. Um, so the first one, I believe, is to stop. I believe breathing room really happens when we, we stop. Some of us, this is really hard it's really hard to stop, but we see that's what it really means to find some breathing room. So there's some things you've got to stop doing. You've got to learn to, to say no to some things in order to say yes to the most important thing. How many of you guys have trouble saying no? Like, be honest, you have trouble saying no. It's, we've, it's a discipline that we have to develop in order to honor God. I believe that. I, I think you, you've got to say no to some good things in order to say yes to the greatest thing. I think you've got to, if you're going to have breathing room in your life, you've got to learn to stop and slow down. And, and I approach this topic so humbly. I haven't talked about it all today. I approach this topic really humbly um, because I'm a recovering workaholic. And, and you can uh, giggle or, or think that, well, that's not as bad as being an alcoholic or a drug addict. If I would have continued in that pattern, it would have ruined me just as much as it ruined others. And I believe that wholeheartedly. I think stopping is the first element of what it means to get breathing in your own life. Learn to stop. 
You've got to say no to some things in order to say yes. And stopping and resting, which is our next point, doesn't mean stop this in order to start this. Okay, this is my MO right here. I'll stop this. I'll stop doing some things at the church so that I can go home and do this. We don't stop this in order to start this. If we're, it's really about rest, like true rest. You've got to stop in order to rest. How many, how many guys think you can just rest on the go? You're like, I'm just going to go. I'm going to do my errands. I'm resting. No, no, you're not. And some of us, like, this is going to take some discipline. It's going to take some real discipline and changing some patterns of our life in order to truly trust God. Just as they did in, in Israel, we've been caught like as slaves for a long time to our schedules, been to our employers, to um, our busyness. We've been slaves to it. To our hobbies, I mean, you name it. Like, I'll, I'll stop work so I can start a hobby, and if that's the way you rest, then I'm not going to get in there and try to be legalistic about that. But ultimately, it's really about stopping and resting. Like, are you really resting? And I love that, that it's, um, when it's called a discipline of rejuvenation. Athletes know this. People that get in the gym and work out, you know that if you keep working out every single day, your body's going to plateau, and you can't go further until you stop, let your body recover, and then you can go further. And some of you in your spiritual walk, in your work life, in your social life, you're plateauing. There's nothing developing. There's nothing growing in there. Emotionally, you're just hating it more and more. It's just getting harder and harder to enjoy it. And I think you need to practice the discipline of rejuvenation. So you can't have a goal. Okay, God, I'm going to trust you with a day. You can't have a goal without a plan. So what's your plan? What do you need to stop doing? What's your, what's your plan? Daily. Like, what's your daily thing where you're going to take 15 minutes, you're going to take half an hour, and just relax? Like, when is that time there? Like, whatever it is for you, if it's sitting down and reading your book, if it's, you know, binge Netflix watching at the end of the night, whatever. Like, what's your plan What's your monthly plan? Like, when, when are you going to take that time? Weekly, when's your plan? When's your day? When's it going to be? Is it going to be Thursday from, you know, uh, Thursday from sundown till Friday? Sun? When is it? I think scripture allows us the freedom, but when is it? You need to practice the discipline of rejuvenation, because if not, you're going to plateau. I think the third thing is delight. I, I think what, if we're going to practice breathing room and what Sabbath really means, the principle, I think we've got to stop really rest, and I think we need to learn to really delight in the Lord. Delight in a God that says, take the day off, Isis. <laughs> delight in a God that says, you, you deserve it. Not because of what you did, but because of what I did. Stop. Rest. Delight yourself in a God who has made a way when us and ourselves could not attain to the law, but he in his perfection has made a way. Delight yourself in the God that made a way. It tells you to take a day off and delight in the God that loves you and wants to be present with you. Just delight in him. Like, don't just sit down and I said, whatever works for you. Just literally just take some time just to close your eyes. We've got the hammock outside. We're going to give that away at the end of the month. I'm really excited. And for somebody, like you're, that's going to be your new delighting in the Lord, going out after the kids are down or after the workday is over and just jumping in the hammock. Just have some delighting in the Lord. Just really joy and thanking him for his goodness. And I think the fourth thing, the final thing here, I believe is to contemplate. I believe it's to contemplate. Stop, rest, delight yourself in the Lord. And I believe it's to contemplate. You, anybody ever go on vacation and like 
you haven't had time to process all the things that have been going and all of a sudden like you get some time away and like kind of put some pieces together. You get that day off and you're like kind of work some things out. You might know what I'm talking about. Kind of work some things in your brain when you stop, when you're resting. You got to know that God can do more in your life when you're resting than you can on your hardest day going after it. That's the God we serve, that he will bring manna and quail from heaven to provide for you if you'll just learn to trust in him, come out of the slavery and really learn to trust in him. And some of us, like this month, July, like just cap it off, you, you need to learn to contemplate. There's some things you need to contemplate. Contemplate how good of a God we have. Contemplate just his, his goodness over our life. Contemplate some unhealthy patterns that are developing in our life. So that's why now here in the middle of the year is a great time to just kind of look forward, finish strong here to the end of the year. Start a new to-do list or, you know, a new pattern, some God-honoring patterns and not the unhealthy ones. What, what is there to contemplate? What needs to change in our life? Just taking that time to rest and say, God, help me. Help me. God, I know you can help me to pattern my life in, in a healthy manner that brings life to me because... Let me just be real, like very real with you. Like I I was caught, and I I share this on a regular basis, I was caught in a 70, 80, 90 hour work week, not because anyone was slave driving me. I was working 24-7, not 24-6. Not because anyone was prodding me, but because somewhere in me, I felt like I had to do that to achieve, to accomplish. And when I realized that this was missing and began to implement it, I'm telling you, I cannot tell you how much healthier I am as a person. I'm a, I'm a better husband when I'm resting, when I'm observing Sabbath. I'm a better pastor to, to you when I am observing Sabbath and resting. And this is this discipline of rejuvenation that is present in my life. It's, it's literally transformed. My wife would be honest with you. There's a difference in our marriage at this point than when I was not practicing this. I mean, I I feel like there's a complete difference and maybe it's just off my shoulders and I was doing really good at masking it. I don't know, but I know it's completely changed just my personal walk with Christ that I set aside that time. Things got busy in the week. I was doing a little too much. I contemplate. Be like, man, I need to change that. I'm gonna change that this week. This is getting unhealthy. It's just constantly saying, God, I trust you more than what I can do with my own hands. God, I believe in you, Jesus. I, I I celebrate you. I delight in you. And so I bring it back to you today. Like, what, what needs to change? Like, what do you need to stop doing? What do you need to say no to? I believe that setting these patterns is, God is making us holy through these, this discipline of setting aside time and trusting him with it. God is making us holy. That's what he said. And this is a sign of a covenant. I'm not afraid to tell you that I'm taking a vacation this week. I'm not afraid to tell you that because at one point I would not want you to know at one point in my life. I'd be afraid that you would think of my identity and my calling differently. But now like I'm, I'm, I'm so bold in just saying like it's the best thing that I, I need, that you need. And I encourage you, make a plan. A goal without a plan is simply just a dream. It's never, it's never gonna be accomplished. Put a plan in place.
So I don't know what's going on in your life, kind of how busy. Maybe, maybe you don't have a job. Maybe your job is super flexible and it's like two days a week and you work, work from home and, and, you know, work for a couple hours and you're done. That's great. Maybe that's not what you need to hear. Maybe, maybe you need to hear, like, get, get to work, <laughs> you know? Scripture talks about that too. We'll talk about that later in, in the series, but it does. I mean, may, maybe that's what you need to look at. Maybe God's telling you, hey, use, use this time productively for my kingdom, if you've got some extra time, if again, I, I thank you so much, all those who volunteer and serve around Fathom Church, you make it happen. And, and I'm hoping that, that you have a day sliced out, that's your Sabbath, and when you come here, it's not like, oh, my, my whole Sabbath is like bliss. Most of us have a, a five-day work week. We still have a day there, Sabbath. So I just want to invite you to just bring it to the Lord. One of my favorite texts in all of Scripture is, come all who are weary, and I will give you rest. You can have physical rest and not have spiritual rest. There's been times where I'm, I'm practicing the day off, but I'm never submitting. I'm never spiritually resting. And you can have all the physical rest you want, but if you don't learn to understand what it means to spiritually rest and that Jesus has paid it all, then I don't think you'll ever be healthy. You'll ever be at rest. So I want to invite you to stand today. And, and I want us to pray, and then I'm going to invite you to the table today. Can you just take a moment just to soul search and just ask God, what do I need to stop, God? Where's my day going to be? What's our plan going to be? Have I really been delighting in you, or have I been making about my works and what I can accomplish? God, we thank you you don't just send us off to figure things out for ourselves, but you modeled it in creation. And it was for us, God. And you didn't leave it there, but God, you gave us Jesus, and he was a model of perfection on this earth. And he, he pushed all the busyness of ministry aside to, God, find some rest with you to stop and pray. God, I pray that you teach us what it means to stop and trust you and rest because you're good and because you're faithful, God. Help us to gather everything in six days so that we can trust you fully by resting. I don't know if you're in this place and like there's some like hard things that you need to look in the face and be like, I'm a workaholic or I'm being lazy. Whatever it might be, you need to look in the face or I'm not taking care of my family the way I should. Maybe you need to look that in the face today. But I know that Christ is our redemption. He's our wholeness today. And it's about spiritual rest that births the physical rest and, and discipline of trusting him. God, help us. God, help me. Help me as a leader, God, just to just love you and delight in you, God, to, to trust you, to stop, to rest, to delight. Speak in those things that I need to be contemplating and changing in my life, God. We thank you for it.